In the name of Jesus, amen. For centuries, as the church in the early church would celebrate the season of Lent, the third Sunday of Lent was always a very important Sunday in the life of the church. This Sunday was called Scrutinizer Sunday. Now you might say, what does that sound like? Scrutiny Sunday. What is it with scrutinizing people? But this is when the church would be instructing new people in the faith. Lent was always a time for adult instruction, for new Christians to be brought in and educated and then eventually baptized at the Easter vigil service and brought into the communicant membership of the church. And the third Sunday, halfway through all of this, is when the church would gather these people in front of the congregation and they would begin a public examination. And that examination would continue all through Lent. This is where they would stand before everybody else and show that they were dedicated to the Christian faith and above all else, that they were dedicated to God and that there was nothing that would divide this loyalty in their hearts. I would dare say that if we tried to do that with adult instruction today, nobody would want to join our church. But it bears importance for us today. Because in many ways it tells us that we are to take this faith that we've been given seriously. To scrutinize in our own hearts, to examine our own hearts during the season of Lent also tells us to look and make sure that there are no divided loyalties with what we focus on, but that our trust continues to remain in God through Jesus Christ alone. And it's fitting that our texts this morning are given to us today. It's fitting that we are even looking at this in the world that we are under scrutiny with today as well. The masks of the pandemic are going away as the bombs are being dropped off in Europe, and some will say we are at the brink of World War III. But what does this mean for you today? To be scrutinized in the faith. There is so much fear. Have you noticed that? Week in, week out, day in, day It's almost by the hour. Breaking news, more things to be afraid of, more fear. Somebody once sent me a cartoon a couple weeks ago where the coronavirus molecule was swapping out with a nuclear missile. They were exchanging places to bring about fear amongst all things. But why is there such fear and panic and alarm? Isn't it because we are being faced to, forced to face our own mortality? The fact that we are all closer to the grave than we were yesterday? The world offers us no hope when these moments come we are de facing death face to face. Regardless of how much support you are showing or how high the gas prices are, our mortality stands before us. But today is not just simply looking at you with a stern eye to scrutinize you. It is also a day to remind you that you, yes, you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you are beloved children of God. It was no small thing that I took the children over to the baptismal font to remind them of what was said at their baptism. 
and what was said at your baptism, and what was even stated by you in your confirmation. Page 272 in the hymnal, you're going to need it in a few minutes. Page 272, confirmation in the hymnal. We acknowledge that the devil is all around us. But he's not one wearing red spandex with horns and a pitchfork. It is not as easy as Hollywood might like to show the devil. The devil does not show up as one who we look at and say, okay, we don't know who's sitting in the back of the church, but he or she looks like the devil. The devil is the father of lies. Lucifer means the angel of light. What's so wrong with the angel of light? We like light, right? Light shining out in the darkness. The devil is prowling around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we think of things that are happening like in Ukraine or elsewhere with our politics. And we say, well, that's certainly the devil at work in that political party or this party over here or that president or this is the devil over here. But the devil already is the prince of this world. You are strangers here. You are sojourners and pilgrims on this earth. And according to scripture, that as you came up out of the waters of holy baptism, God painted a very large target on you to claim you as his own. But that target also, the cross painted on your forehead and on your heart, is where the devil desires to shoot his flaming arrows. We might look at the devil and say, well, it's out there, it's very evident. But the devil also builds a chapel right next door to the church, says Luther. The devil can be found in and with the church. That's why the wheat and the weeds grow up together. The faithful and the unfaithful gather together in the house of the Lord. But amidst all of the fears and all of the panicking, we do not go along with those who have no hope. But rather, in Jesus Christ, we see that we have the powerful finger of God at work. I love that statement, the powerful finger of God. I can't even lift up this book with one finger, let alone do too much terribly powerful with my one finger. But we notice today in our Old Testament reading and even today with our gospel reading that that is all that God needs to bring about his light, his life, and his salvation, his work amongst you. And guess what? That is yours wholly and freely today. He is at work even now for you in your life. The powerful finger of God is on display with our text today. Jesus had just cast out a demon that caused a man to be mute. He wasn't able to speak. And the text says that the crowds were amazed by this, but not everyone in the crowds. There were some, as described by Matthew and Mark, that they were the scribes and Pharisees. They scoffed at Jesus. They didn't deny the miracle. They didn't deny that Jesus had done this great and wonderful thing, but they were willing, unwilling to admit that he had the ability to do this, that he was truly from God. They would not put their faith and trust in Jesus. So they come up with a simple explanation. The devil made him do it. He's working with Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. 
He's got to be in the league with the devil himself, because only the devil can do this. They use a word today that you probably have heard for the devil before, Beelzebub. There'll be a spelling test after church. Literally means Lord of filth, Lord of the dung heap, or some would say Lord of the flies. But you know where flies like to congregate. This was an insult leveled against Satan, who is in fact Lord of all the unclean. But now they're trying to lump Jesus and Satan together to say that he and the devil are one working together, that he is possessed by the devil himself. And it's interesting to see that there are still strong voices that speak this way today. Strong voices in our world, especially when there is rampant fear and high emotion and panic. In the midst of all the fear, the panic, and everything else around us, we find that there are many of us, myself included, that are not directing people to Christ our Savior, that are not praying to God and asking Him to intervene and help, trusting Him in the midst of all of our fears and our alarms. Instead of that, there are many, too many of us who are making and buying into the noise of panic. Christians are tempted to turn their attention away from Christ and to share and to be consumed and filled up and overflowing with the worries and the fears of this world. And it seems like that whenever some sort of tragedy or catastrophe occurs, those who oppose God are very much like the scribes and the Pharisees. They accuse God and Jesus. Where is he in the midst of all of this? Where is your God in the midst of this pandemic? Isn't he supposed to be on our side? Maybe he's not listening to you. Maybe he's not for us, but maybe he's against us. Listen to what Jesus says in response to that. He says, this is absurd. Satan is not going to do anything to harm himself. A kingdom divided against itself is destroyed. If you want a very simple, relevant example of that today, watch the Purdue game as they play Texas. <laughs> Purdue is not going to have three of their players on offense suddenly switch to defense with two of their players looking at them and saying, why are you helping the other team? Watch any game that way. Kingdom divided against itself would be destroyed. He goes to show today how flimsy this argument is. If you accuse me of driving out demons by Beelzebub, then by whom do your sons drive them out? How did Moses drive them out? Jesus' appeal today claims that his opponents, apply, their, their response applies to us in our current situation, but we should listen to Jesus amidst the strong and powerful voices of panic, fear, and alarm. Don't be silly. Take a moment and think. Think this through for a moment. Could it be, possibly, perhaps, that we are allowing everything that we are hearing, from the pandemic to the war to everything else in between, get the absolute better of us? Could it be that we have restless nights over gas prices and grocery prices? 
Could it be that we're sitting here worried and fearful about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week and not even agreeing that today is actually the day the Lord has made and that we are to rejoice and be glad in it? Are you letting your emotions get the better of you in the current situation? There is a direct correlation between a person's emotions and being actually rational about things. When there is anger and there is fear, when it starts to creep in, we start to sound silly. Don't let these things, the fears, the alarms, and the panic, become this idol or God for you, chipping away at God's tru- your trust in God. And please, especially don't buy into the fact that God is evil or that he is causing this evil that is being faced in our world today. He is the one who is good. He works all things for good to those who love him. The good, the bad, and the downright ugly. He is not against us. He is for us. Today we find, so much more so maybe than we have in most of our lifetimes, that we are struggling, that we're concerned, that we're not so sure, and we realize that there is a lot of evil around us. And there will be tomorrow and the next day. But now more than ever is a time where we as humanity need to come together in love and in concern for one another. As Paul said today from Ephesians, being imitators of God, walking in love, not focusing on ourselves but on each other as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us. But even more so, we need to call upon God and rely upon Him and point each other to the goodness of God. This is something that we see time and again in Scripture. When things are completely falling apart, God wants His people to focus on Him, on the love and the salvation. He is the one who says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. But the problem is, is what? I want it right now. And that's where God says, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. When the Israelites were being bitten by poisonous serpents, what were they to do? God tells Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and place it up on a pole. And if the Israelites looked at this serpent on a pole, they would be healed. But have you ever thought for a moment how long it might have taken to fashion a bronze serpent and put it on a pole? Hey, come on, we're dying here. We're getting bit here. What's the matter? Why can't you make this go quicker? Nonetheless, you and I are being bitten by fear and panic and uncertainty. And it is high time for us to be reminded To be scrutinized, yes, to where we place our fears and our trust, but to look upon Jesus Christ lifted high on the cross, that where he is lifted up, all mankind would be drawn to him and his salvation. You are citizens who live without fear. You do live in a hopeless world full of despair, but you have the assurance of God Almighty that he has come into this world to make you a citizen of his kingdom. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come to you. And with it comes all of the benefits and blessings that Christ has won. 
His righteousness for you. He lived a holy and perfect life for you and for me, but he doesn't sit there and say, now try to follow my example. He simply says, give me all of your sin, your unbelief, your fear and the panic, and I will give you my perfection, my righteousness, and my blamelessness. Even though he was facing certain death, he did not panic or fear. He continued to face it with resolution, knowing that it was for the life of the whole world. On this scrutiny Sunday, I'm going to call it that from here on out, get used to it, let us take a moment, actually here today, and let us stand as we turn to page 272, and as we confess as the early church would do, and as we do with the baptized, to be renewed in the commitment and the seriousness of our faith by answering the three simple questions that we have. Please stand. Do you renounce the devil? Yes. Yes, I renounce Do you renounce all his works? Yes, I renounce Do you renounce all his ways? There you have it. The reason for the hope residing within you is all found in Christ, who is the finger of God with us, which means that we can be confident and assured in all things, and that in the end, in the midst of fear, panic, and not knowing what the future is, we can simply say, everything's going to be fine. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.